Unrestricted podcast. This is a takeover episode. You're here with Marissa, and I have a special guest here that I would love to introduce. Go ahead. Hi, everyone. My name is Stephanie, and I am happy to be joining the podcast today. Yes. You have such a radio voice. I do. You do. No. You could be. Yeah, you could. Oh, you're very nice. You're the nicest. Thank you. Well, I am so excited to have Stephanie on today. Stephanie, when did we meet? Last year, like yeah, like what, like July, August? August? I was thinking October. That was the first time we met in person, but we'd like chatted before. That's right. We talked. We like Marco Poloed and stuff. I think so. You're drinking a meeting. We're good. Yep. Anyhow, I have a whiskey sour. Steph has water and pretzels, and we're good to go. So we have already been drinking. We actually watched the movie together. Mm-hmm. What did we watch, Steph? We watched the 2002. Produced movie by Selma Hayek, directed, I forget her name, but it's called Frida, oh, which shit. is the biopic of Frida Kahlo, the yeah. Mexican artist. Yeah. She was a fucking badass, let's be honest. She's an amazing woman. I honestly didn't know much about her history until watching this movie. I'm like looking up the movie stuff right now because, so unlike my other episodes, or I think honestly almost every episode that we've done before, maybe the ha- like the most recent Halloween episode... Usually we'll watch the movie prior and then we'll get together and record, but we just finished the movie and we're recording. So we're just like basing it off of our notes. Mm -hmm. This is very different than we've done before. So I'm looking up information right now. Yeah, Salma Hayek and then Alfred Molina is Diego Rivera, which is... Her co-star. Mm-hmm, her co-star. And then there there was... What, a couple minutes of Antonio Banderas? Yeah, it had like a lot of big names in the movie. Like Edward Norton was in it. Mm-hmm. Ashley Judd. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah. And then, what's his name? Alfred Molina's ex uh, is played by Valera Galino. I'm probably slaughtering these names. I don't know who she was. They, I mean, amazing actors. I really, really, really enjoyed the entire thing, actually. So, the movie, I'm looking it up right now because I did not do any behind the scenes. It's directed by Julie Taymor. I honestly don't know a lot of movies that she's directed, but she did a really, really great job with this movie. I was very impressed. And like I said, I didn't know anything about Frida Kahlo before this movie, um, but she did a really, really great job with this. Agreed. Completely agree. Let's get into it. What did, what were your overall thoughts of the movie? Like liked it? Didn't like it? It was okay? I, well, I obviously haven't had a long, a long time to like process all my feelings about it, but my general first impression is really, really positive. I thought the performances, starting off with Selma Hayek, were all really, really good. And I just think they did a really good job portraying like the struggles of her life and what an amazing and complicated and interesting character she is. So walking away from the movie, I think more than anything, I'm just impressed with this person and the life that she had. And I would imagine that's kind of the intent of the director making this movie is just to leave viewers just sort of like awestruck by who this person was. I agree. I agree with that. I think that's a really good synopsis of the movie. 
I felt the same. I think all the acting was was dead on. I thought it was really cool how they tied in a bunch of her art. Mm-hmm. They have like these snippets where it's almost like dreams or like imaginatory yeah. snippets and they put a bunch of her art in and then they... Mm-hmm. <laughs> There's some very clever like visual tricks they do in this movie to like incorporate, as you were saying, some of her art and paintings that she'd done, but then like have these seamless transitions where it moves from the art to the actual movie with the actors, and it was very, very impressive. And by the time you realize it's happening, it's, like, over. Mm-hmm. It's, like, very, very mm-hmm. clever. It's very cool. Yeah. And I, I'm not familiar... I mean, obviously I've seen some of her more famous paintings, but I imagine that throughout the movie, if I'd um, known more of those, I bet that they're just, like, littered throughout the movie. But Tons was, of them. Mm-hmm. It was very, very cool. I know. The, one, the only one that I really realized was the very end one, which is mm-hmm. the broken mm-hmm. column. And yeah. I thought that would be portrayed earlier in the movie, but it wasn't. Right. It was, like, almost at the yeah. end. So, yeah, that's really cool. So, I actually skipped over a question that I wanted to ask you. Okay. I wanted to ask you just, like, whatever you feel comfortable sharing about your post, like, your Mormon upbringing. Because this, this is, like, a podcast that we share about movies and kind of how they relate to Mormonism. Yeah. So were you raised in the church? Were you not raised in the church? Yeah. I was definitely raised in a very Orthodox Mormon family. So I imagine that the viewers are kind of familiar with what that looks like. But, you know, regular Christian family, lots of scripture study and prayer and typical Sunday um, activities and things like that. So growing up with that, I feel like you just have, maybe this isn't the case for everybody, but it definitely was for me where you just have like a very closed, narrow understanding of the world around you. So leaving the church kind of like opens up the world in such a way that you realize there's so much that I don't know. There's so much that I've missed out on. So much. Um, Especially like in the world of art, which is so tragic, right? Because there's so many beautiful things in the world of art, whether it's paint or literature or film or all these different things. Um, So leaving you know the religion that you were raised in opens you up to so many like new beautiful experiences so even learning about Frida Kahlo like that's something that I never really was exposed to before so it's fun learning about her and how I don't even know what the right word for her life is it's like beautiful and tragic and like it is absolutely tragically beautiful it's like heartbreaking yeah but you can also see how fucking strong this woman was yes it's so... She's, a, she's inspiring. She she's actually super is. super inspiring. Yeah. Yeah. Because she's so real. Don't you think? She, I don't think she bullshitted around her life. Yeah. I think she just was willing to embrace her life as it was uh-huh. and her husband how he was and just allowed herself to be. And I think that's really refreshing. That's something you know that I like really am drawn to. I feel like as you're saying that, I think that's kind of like what makes her resonate with us is because like... When you grow up in like a typical Mormon upbringing, there's this pressure on you to present yourself outwardly as like someone who's always happy, everything is always looking good, everything in your family is perfect, and you like, you belong to this nuclear family where everything is just working and clicking in all the ways that it should. And then you look at like Frida Kahlo and her life wasn't those things. She'd been through tragedy, she'd been through a lot of painful experiences, her relationships were complicated, like life was messy. But she didn't, like, hide from that. She didn't try to present herself to other people as anything other than, like, this broken woman. Exactly how she was. Who had a messy life, but made it beautiful. Yeah. Well, and she had such grace about her, too. Yeah. 
grit too. Mm-hmm. Like grace She's and grit. So she was absolutely strong. I love that. That was that was awesome. Thank you. That was perfect. You are welcome. <laughs> you are welcome. Oh, did you did you watch radar movies growing up? I did, actually. Did you feel guilty about it? Um, yeah, I did. Like uh, all the time or just sometimes? Probably sometimes. I had two older brothers that left the church um, when I was a teenager. And so, like, there was some pressure from them. And I feel like that was the kind of thing that, like, we were able to bond over. If my brothers wanted to watch, like, an R-rated movie, that was me kind of, like, going out of my way, like, stepping away from religion to be close to my brothers. So I didn't feel bad about it in that sense. But then there were times where I would watch R-rated movies by myself. And then, like, go to read my scriptures or go to church, and I'd be like, oh, I shouldn't have done that. I feel bad. I feel so dirty. So there's both, for sure. Yeah. But you didn't watch any growing up, right? I did not. I I think I watched, like, two, and I felt so bad. I actually, shout out to Sarah, if you, she'll probably never listen to this podcast, but I had a friend named Sarah who loaned me Danny Darko, and she was like, it's an amazing show. I've never watched it. white one? No, oh, it has the guy who dated Taylor Swift. That doesn't narrow it down. No, that really doesn't. <laughs> Let's look it up. But we love Taylor. Oh, I love Taylor. Taylor is an icon and she's amazing. Danny Darko has... Shit, I know his name. I just like can't think about it. Jake Gyllenhaal. Oh, I love Jake. Why didn't I know that? It's, a, it's an older one. It's 2001. I might need to go watch that. We should, we should watch it yeah, together. Yeah, we should. We should watch it together. I love Jake. Well, I've heard like there are things... Well, never mind. So, Danny Darko is... During the presidential election of 1988, a teenager named Danny Darko sleepwalks out of his house one night and sees a giant demonic-looking rabbit named Frank who tells him the world will end in 28 days. A demonic-looking rabbit? <gasps> Up. Maybe we watched the wrong movie tonight. When Donnie returns home, he finds that a jet engine has crashed into his bedroom. What? Is Donnie living in a parallel universe or is he suffering from mental illness or will the world really end? Um. I kind of want to watch that now. Maybe we did watch the wrong movie. Although I don't regret watching Frida because no, Frida was so badass. But anyhow, she loaned me Donnie Darko because she was like, this is an amazing show. It's like one of my favorites. Please watch it. We were into like some really similar things. And I took it home, and I think I kept it for like a month. Before you watched it? No, I never watched it. You never did? I gave it back to her. Because I was so riddled with like shame and guilt about it being an already movie, and I was like hiding it from my dad. Oh, and wow. I felt too much guilt over it, and now I just want to like... You feel so silly. I want to slap 16-year-old Marissa and be like, watch the damn movie. No, it's not a big It's deal. a movie. What were the two that you watched? I'm so curious now. I watched one. So I on one of the old podcast episodes, I had mentioned, I could not think of the name of it. I actually found it. It's called Obsessed. Oh. It has Beyonce Knowles in it. And I don't even remember who I went to see the movie with, but we went to the theater and I, I was terrified they were going to ID us. And she was like, I go see R-rated movies all the time. They're not going to ID us. And they didn't. And we went in and we watched it. It's about like this weird like affair that happens. And I remember that it said fuck a million times and I felt so guilty. Like I left it and I was like, oh my God, I cannot believe that I watched that movie. I feel so bad. It doesn't look great, but it has Idris Elba in it. Yeah, he's beautiful. I'm yeah. not going to lie. 
So, and then Ali Larder. Like, out of all the R-rated movies in the world, how did you land on that one? I think a friend, I think a friend wanted to go see it and she didn't want to go alone. I can't even remember who I, who I listened to it with. If you end up listening to this podcast and you saw this movie with me, will you please holler at me? (laughs) Reach out and fill in the missing piece. Seriously. Anyhow, so, no, I didn't, I didn't, and I didn't watch a lot of movies, but. I watched a lot. I wish I would have. I think I watched Obsessed and... I think I watched some of Saw at a friend's house. Oh, I've never seen those. Like, I went over and it was on their TV, and it was, like, the horrifying part that, like, you can't look away. They'd, like, picked up a girl and thrown her in a pit full of needles, dirty needles. And she was, like, crawling out of the pit with needles sticking out of her, and I remember being like, ugh! That's traumatic. Not, not, not my cup of tea. But I think, I think that's basically... Probably shouldn't be anybody's cup of tea. It's kind of horrifying, actually. I'm not into, like gruesome horror like that like i can handle scary shit but like yeah i would agree with you on that i don't like like purposeful like horrible Mm -hmm. torture Mm -hmm. anyhow so well we're gonna get into the movie we're just gonna kind of go through it and then share thoughts and how it happens yeah so i have up on imdb just a plot summary of the movie so credit to imdb the whole movie is just a biography of the artist yeah so it goes through frida Kahlo's life who channeled the pain of a crippling injury and her temptuous marriage into her work so she shared an unflinchingly an open life with diego rivera they just kind of take the world by storm so yeah maybe start and talk about like how the movie begins because like that first that she goes through kind of sets the tone for the It does, because it's very serious. So the movie starts out with them carrying her on her on her bed, uh-huh. like through this house and yeah. out into this like wagon type thing. Right. And it doesn't say where she's going, but she's obviously in a lot of pain. Yeah. And, and then it kind of like skips forward, right? Skips back. Or, yeah, it back. goes back. Because I'm sitting there wondering, like, why is she in a bed? What's going on? So it flashes back to her childhood. And you didn't know anything about her life, Nothing. huh? Which I'm embarrassed about because she's such like a famous character. I Don't, because I... And this is something that I actually told Steph through the movie. I said, I, I don't think through Mormonism especially, like, I don't think Mormons, or at least the vast majority of them, are very educated. I don't mean that as like a slam, but like no. as someone who grew up in a very orthodox Mormon home, yeah. I don't feel like education was a push. And Well, and I think there's also a difference between like academic education and then education just like by being exposed to like the world and history and like yeah. other cultures and experiences outside your own. Mormonism does a very good job sheltering you into this very specific idea of how the world works, of how like morality is determined and how like life that. should be. Yeah. And so it's not necessarily that like people growing up in that situation don't like obtain a lot of degrees or don't become like very educated and professional and yep. successful. But I think it is true that a lot of them aren't exposed yep. to other experiences that like may contradict or look different than how they're grown up and a lot of frida's art shows nudity uh-huh. that's like a huge thing with her yeah she wasn't shamed about her body uh-huh. she wasn't shamed about nudity in general and i think that that's not something that's yeah looked highly on in the church <laughs> no i remember i grew up and like i mean people from this experience know but like i had so much shame around nudity that like if i saw a medical diagram of like you a would human feel body, guilty yes so so much guilt right and that's not healthy i don't think my, my daughter was looking at my humanities book for school today yeah she was like looking through because it has all sorts of artwork from all throughout like right. the history of the world mm-hmm. 
and she pulls up this page that is like this giant, it's like the full page picture, like mm-hmm. half of a column of a full page right. of Michelangelo's David. Uh-huh. The sculpture of a yep. freaking naked man. She goes, Mom, that's the sculpture oh, that's that we true, have in right? Animal Crossing. Yeah, I forgot. I have it on our island because I don't want to fill my kids with shame. No, there's nothing wrong with seeing is. a penis uh-huh. and balls and or a naked man like for sure there's nothing wrong with that for sure she didn't she wasn't even like mom why is that man naked she just said oh that's the sculpture we have on animal crossing exactly and i was like exactly. mom win yeah <laughs> yeah my son asked to watch titanic the other day because that's like one of my favorite movies and i'm like should i let him watch that and it's like okay maybe not the part where they're like fucking in the carriage like before they hit the iceberg but like <laughs> the window (laughs) maybe my seven-year-old son like doesn't i don't know the part like where she's naked like sure it's sexualized a little bit but like their breasts that's a very normal part he's drawing her yeah i just don't want them to like have the shame that i had growing up i think that's what we strive for as parents now parents who have left mormonism who don't want to continue to push on our yeah, kids. It's not that like I want to expose my son to pornography, but I don't want him to like feel shame about his body or someone else's body. That's very natural. You have a body. It's your body. It's, it's a body. Normal. It's a body. Doesn't matter the the gender of the body. It's just it's the body. So thank you, Frida Kahlo, for <laughs> helping us accept our breasts and penises and everything else in between. <laughs> everything else in between. Just thank you, Frida Kahlo, for not being weird. Yeah. Just. She had no shame. There wasn't shame, but I don't think that there needs to be. And another point that I pointed out with, I think, to you, Josh watched it with us too, was just that American art doesn't generally hold the same amount of nudity that I feel like other arts throughout history have. And I've, I've obviously have learned about this a little bit more with my humanities studies and mm-hmm. seeing the artwork throughout all of it. And mm-hmm. I mean, Roman art and mm-hmm. Greek art and. Yeah. I mean, I'm not, like, an art history major by any means, but, like, from what I know, I would agree with that. Yeah. Anyhow, just kind of interesting. Back to the movie. Four men are carrying her bed, and one thing that I did notice is that there's a mirror on top, mm-hmm. which I feel like is really important later in the movie. Yeah. And it says that it's Mexico City, 1922. Right. But then it jumps back in time, mm-hmm. and we kind of see this snippet of Frida sneaking in with a bunch of boys mm-hmm. to... She gets in this trolley or something. Or are you talking about before then? No, before then they sneak in and they're seeing Diego Rivera oh, painting right, 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 right. with he's painting like a live yes. naked woman uh-huh. and his wife comes in and is yelling at mm-hmm. him. And I wrote it down because <laughs> because I laughed and just said she says, All you need is your food and your slut. <laughs> yeah, it's he's just he's obviously a womanizer. He's a established painter of some notoriety. Yeah. Um, but his wife is mad that he's sleeping out and then she calls him out and uh, it has some significance as you move later into yeah. the movie. She calls him a panzon. Panzon? Panzon. Do we know what that means? Nope. Let's figure it out. Yeah. Because she calls him that throughout the movie. Pot-bellied. Or like a, like a fat-bellied person. Yeah. Because he is a little... Or a lardass. <laughs> a lardass. <laughs> That's what it said in Google. Plural and feminine. Oh, feminine is pen- penzonas. That's funny. It means punchy person. Which he is, kind yeah, of. Which is. is, there's nothing wrong with that. She just, I think it's funny that she kind of calls him out on it, which from the very beginning of the movie, you're like, damn, she got some balls. She does. She's very sassy. She's confident. She doesn't mind speaking uh, whatever her feelings are. So yeah, she calls him out. And then 
Is it then that they go get in the trolley after that? Shortly. Oh, the, I, I did write down that it just, there's a snippet with her where she goes back to her family and it's evident that her interactions with mm-hmm. her dad, I don't remember what exactly happens, but it's obvious that she is very close with her dad, which mm-hmm. I felt like was important to note. Mm-hmm. I don't know. Yeah, she seemed to have a good relationship with her parents and living the life of like any other regular teenage girl she had like a romantic interest and was just like very playful and fun yeah she very much liked to live there's a comment there's a comment that her mom makes that like maybe one day you'll get married and she's like yeah and she just snuck out from like having sex in a wardrobe and she's like yeah maybe she just lived very free Mm -hmm. and i admire that no but i think that also sets up like a really powerful contrast of like how fun and playful and bright her life was and then this thing that happened next and how it just like so dramatically changed it affected her the direction whole life. of her life. Yeah. Yeah. So eventually she gets in this horrible accident. She's on like mm-hmm. a trolley. Right. And it's kind of like whimsical when it first starts out. Uh-huh. Like the trolley's trying to pass another one and it kind of spins out of control. Yeah, and at one point, she, there's, like, an artist on there, and she's like, oh, my gosh, is that real gold? And he's like, oh, yeah, it's yeah. from, like, the ceiling of this building that I'm doing. And uh-huh. she picks up the gold, and she has it in her hand, and then they crash. They run into another yeah, so one, like and then they slide into like a building. everywhere. So there's gold everywhere, and it's like, you have this picture of her with her fucking broken body. Like, there's no yeah. way around that. She crashes into the wall, and then, like, it kind of zooms in from this aerial view of her body down in like the wreckage of this trolley and she's covered in like gold dust or gold paint and, and it looks blood, and, blood oh. and it looks so beautiful and then it shows this like rod or piece of metal that like impaled her all right? the way through her side and then they you find out she has like this not <laughs> this really fucked up like dreamish sequence mm-hmm where like there's like these skeletons oh, yeah. and they're like it's really kind of freaky yeah, actually yeah. It, i remember being like oh. uh-huh. it's almost like stop motion animation yeah. and there's these skeletons that are talking about how broken her body is mm-hmm. and she has a fractured pelvis in several areas well and it's kind of like voiceover of like the doctors talking like as she's yep. like unconscious my collar was broken as were the collar bone and two ribs the pelvis is broken in three places the metal rod entered the right side of the body and came out the vagina. The right leg has 11 fractures, and the foot was crushed. Did she ever walk again? Let's make sure she lives first. And they specifically mention how she's impaled, like, through the back of her side, and then it comes out the other end through her... Vagina! Yeah. Oh. Which, like... Which made sound more horrible. Which made both of us like, oh, yeah. uh, like, oh my gosh. And and the damage that that would cause. Like a young teenager. Not like, that there's ever a good time to have your vagina impaled, but no. But the fact that the violence of it, like, mm-hmm. we're not talking about. Oh, I like ran into something and fractured a bone. Like yeah. her leg was shattered. Her spinal column was shattered. Right. Her pelvis was broken in several places. And then the next scene is her in like this full body cast. Oh my god. And it just really sets in like this wasn't just like a typical like, oh I fell off my bike. Well and her face, her face through the whole thing, like you can mm-hmm. tell how depressed she is. Mm-hmm. She did an amazing job mm-hmm. just 
if you pay attention to her face portraying the devastation of like that how depressed she was yeah so i i didn't even write down how many places her leg was broken in but it said that her collarbone was broken in three places and the doctors are talking about that she probably won't ever walk but frida defied all odds it shows a trans you know a period where she's healing and she surprises her parents one day and she gets up out of her wheelchair and she walks to them because that's the kind of woman she is she's a fucking badass man she's always like defying the odds and disrupting like other people's expectations of who she is and what she has to do with her life and that's kind of why we love her absolutely I wish I had defied odds a little bit more. So this is about the time where after she has healed and she's walking, it shows her walking with a cane. She goes back and she sees Diego. He's working on something else. Oh, yeah. And she calls... she started, like, painting while she was convalescing. I don't think we talked about that a whole lot, Oh, no, we totally skipped over that. Yeah, so she's, like, laying in her bed and she's just, like, staring at the ceiling because she has nothing else to do. She's just in a full-body cast. She and her move. dad has a mirror installed above her bed so that she can do self-portraits. Right. So then, yeah, she gradually starts painting, painting herself, doing self-portraits, and sort of begins to suspect, like, maybe she's got a little bit of a talent at this. Her family's in need of some extra money. So then, yeah. Because of all the surgeries. She's had tons of surgeries to right. try to reconstruct her body and Medical bills are allow her up. to heal. Oh, God. I cannot imagine. Mm-hmm. Good thing she wasn't in America. Oh, my gosh. Can you imagine? Everything, seriously, everything's Not like, that I know anything about Mexican healthcare in 1922. No, but I know tons of tons of people who will go down to Mexico to get, you know, stomach, oh, stomach sleep true, surgery. Yeah. Yeah. And it's a fraction of the cost right. than it is in America. That's true. So I imagine that it's probably not as bad. But mm-hmm. I mean, I, I, cannot, I cannot even imagine how many health bills she had. Mm-hmm. So she goes to seek out uh, Diego Rivera, who is this very famous artist. And, you know, she's kind of had a little bit of a history right. with him before. And so she goes and he says... I don't have time to deal with like schoolgirls. Yeah. And then she she uh, calls him. Oh, Panzon again. Yeah. And then he recognizes her like because she's the one that had called him that before. So he turns around and I think like with the passage of time now is kind of like struck by her beauty a little bit more. Uh huh. And he's like, fine, come up and talk to me. Like, I don't have yeah. time to talk to you, but you can come up and talk to me. And she says, you come down and talk to me. And he does. Yeah. And he does. And you see that throughout the movie, like her taking these like small little moments to kind of like put her foot down and stand up for herself yep. and not do things. It's at way. this point I wrote down, Frida is a badass. Yeah, she really <laughs> is. And so I think that was kind of one of the things that like, at least they portrayed it in the movie that like her defiance or like her stubbornness and her strong will kind of like attracted him to her. Yeah. And so he agreed to come down and talk to her and learn about her paintings. Yeah. Absolutely. You were that girl in the auditorium. Yes, I was. But that has nothing to do with now. I just want your serious opinion. What, what do you care about my opinion? If you're a real painter, you'll paint because you can't live without painting. You'll paint till you die. Okay? I have to work to earn a living. So I don't have time to fool around just for vanity. If I'm not good enough, I have to do something else to help my parents. Leave the best one here. Go home and paint another one. If this one's any good, I'll come and look at that one on my day off. So basically they agree that he's like, okay, fine, leave a painting. And if it's good enough, mm-hmm. I'll come and see the other ones. Right. So she leaves the painting. He walks by it and stops and is like, oh, shit. Okay, I have to go see the other ones. Right. 
so he goes and they end up going to I don't I don't know if I really realized. I mean we were drinking throughout the whole movie, so I was pretty I don't know. There's probably several parts that I missed, but basically they go to like this party and they do like this this drinking contest where there's like this very beautiful woman who's played by Ashley Judd. I don't yeah, right. I don't recall what her name was in the movie, Me but either. she's like a friend of mm-hmm. of Rivera's and Antonio Banderas is there for a little while and so Diego and the guy Banderas plays in the in the show, and then Ashley, Ashley Judd. They're all like, "Okay, well, whoever can take the biggest swig will take the dance with me." Mm-hmm. So you see Antonio Banderas take one, and then Diego Rivera take one, and then out of nowhere, Frida picks one up, and she like drinks half the bottle. Holy shit! Like it's amazing. Oh my gosh, you scared the shit out of me, Amelia. Oh my god. Okay, well, we're back. Um, I had a little girl who surprised us down the stairs, and it really scared the poop out of me. So, we're back. Anyhow, Frida ends up drinking, like, half this effing bottle, Mm -hmm. and then she has, like, this super sexy dance with this lady who's played by Ashley Judd. Yes, it is very erotic, and I think kind of, like, suggests... That there might be like some bisexuality going on. Yeah, she's like kissing Ashley's neck and sensually rubbing, Mm -hmm. and it's not just like a friendly dance with like two girls dancing that are very platonic. It's but beautiful too, right? Oh, stunning! Yeah, absolutely stunning. So I don't know. The more we talk about this, I feel like that's just a huge theme running through the movie is Frida's defiance of any kind of expectations placed on her, like traditional roles being this person do that kind of thing and she's just like i am here to be me and that's all i'm gonna do i'm like i'm gonna do what like brings me happiness she doesn't let anything cage her no no not even the fact that the doctors at one point the nurse says is she gonna walk again he's like let's just make sure that she like lives first Mm -hmm. and then not only did she live but she defied that expectation of maybe never walking again and she does walk she walks and lives her life You know, she's breaking through physical limitations and cultural expectations left and right throughout her life, which I think is powerful. I think that's what, yeah, honestly, the world needs in in every country and in every. Well, I think that's what's cool about her is she's obviously celebrated for being such a talented and unique artist. But when you learn about like this personality behind that. She's just an inspiring figure, just yeah. for being who she is. Well, and her art isn't celebrated because it's perfect, mm-hmm. or because mm-hmm. it's it only portrays the pretty side. Like it's her honest. art, her art is very honest. Like even Josh at one point in the movie was like, "Holy shit, it's kind of morbid." Like yeah, she heavy. doesn't shy away from the pain that she felt. Like she paints mm-hmm. the anguish, physical and emotional, that she feels at very different parts of her life, which I think are for sure. needed. They're powerful. Yeah. So. Like I said before, she's just so real. Yeah. And I think people are drawn to that. It's a breath of fresh air, man. So at this point, we kind of see Mexican communist sign. Like, a, yeah. I, I missed that part, the but Josh points it out. Yeah. 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 They're like politics start to be a bigger part of the movie. Diego and some of his friends are inclined towards communist ideas and philosophies. And so they start to plan sort of like a revolution um in their city yeah so i looked it up and the uh mexico was communist from 1917 to 1981 which is like that's a long time that's actually a really fucking long time. long time 
that's a huge and we see that i mean near the end of her life it was around 1922 so i have her i guess that's not her the end of her life she she ended up dying in 1954 okay but almost almost her entire life or at least her adult life was was communist right so that's that's all that she knew you know i mean diego was obviously very communist Mm -hmm. but that contributed to kind of like the turmoil in her life there was you know she went through physical difficulties she went through like romantic difficulties in her relationships and then there's political and cultural unrest that she's also like wrapped up in without really choosing to so her life was just so i don't even know what the right word for it is complicated Mm -hmm. It was just all complicated. It's all so, and it's so intertwined. And by the time you're like, oh, well, this, it should be this way. And then you like see the other side and you're like, oh, but it like couldn't, mm-hmm. it's, it literally is like a scale. Yeah. So Diego and her end up, I mean, he, it's obvious that he's with a lot of women. Yeah, and he's a womanizer. A total womanizer. I just hear Britney Spears. Womanizer, woman, womanizer, you're a womanizer, oh, womanizer, oh, you're a <laughs> um, <laughs> there's a funny story about that that I I danced to Britney Spears' circus in the mall for my build bear job. Oh, you did? Yeah, in the middle of the mall. Do you have videos? No, but I like cracked an invisible whip and everything, and I am the only one in the whole <laughs> in the whole group who got the job. There... They were all laughing at me, but I got it. Oh wait, they just asked you to do it like on the spot? Yeah, it was like in the group interview. What? They just like you draw kind of on like a charade stick where you have to do certain things and it says like reenact your favorite music video and I was the only music video that I could think of was Britney Spears' circus. Oh my god, I hate job <laughs> interviews, but that would like mortify me. I'd just be like, No thanks, I don't need this job. I stood up and cracked that whip and I just like Of course you did. Boom bitch. Damn. It's a Britney bitch. <laughs> I'm just kidding. You should tell your grandkids that story. I will. I'll reenact it for them and they'll die of embarrassment. It'll be amazing. Anyhow, around this time, Diego realizes, I, I think during the time where she's dancing with Lady and she like drinks a shit ton of that stuff. He falls for her. I think he part. totally falls head over heels for her. Yep. So they have a conversation about loyalty versus fidelity. This is such a good, wait, is this where the good quote is? He... Oh, no, I'm thinking no, of somewhere else. No, a little bit later. But we... Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I, I do think this is like an interesting conversation, though, mm-hmm. about loyalty versus fidelity. So he's he's open and he says, I like to be with women. Mm-hmm. And she's like, well, I want loyalty. Unfortunately, I'm physiologically incapable of fidelity. Oh, really? Yeah, so doctor acquaintance of mine confirmed this. What a convenient diagnosis. Is fidelity that important to you? Loyalty is important to me. Can you be loyal? To you? Always. Good. Because I love you, Panzo. Friduccia. I accept. Mm-hmm. And so it's interesting. Like, what do you? Th- what are your thoughts? Like, loyalty versus fidelity. Are they the same thing? Are they different? I love that they like introduce that topic because I do think that's like a very fascinating subject in itself to kind of dissect because you're right. He's very like open from the beginning. He wants to have some kind of a relationship that allows him some promiscuity to be with other women. And she's very clear. No, I'm not okay with that. I guess my personal feelings on the subject is 
whatever like a couple commits to, they are very open in their communication about what the expectations are. And if they both consent to that, and then that's and what it they works want their for relationship them, then to great. Be, I think that's wonderful. That's not really what happens in this case because they both have very different expectations of what the relationship will be. And I don't know that they ever really come to like a solid agreement on what that will be. And they get into the relationship and I think it causes problems that you sort of like see coming, right? I don't even know why I'm laughing. <laughs> Just like as you keep talking, you're smiling and then I'm like, <laughs> Am I like rambling? No, I think it's I think it's perfect. I totally get what you're saying and I agree. Yeah. I think I think that what a couple agrees to is the most important or even But you're like very traditionally minded, right? Like you feel that like I personally am in the fact that I can acknowledge even if this is loaded because if you had asked Marissa five years ago, I would have been like, absolutely not. Marriage is only traditional between man and a wife. And if there's any cheating, then like, fuck the other person. But even if that's your position right now, that's still fine. Like, you can like set whatever expectations for yeah. yourself and that's fine. If somebody else wants to be in like an open marriage, like if that's what they agree to. I would have condemned them five, five years ago. Okay. I don't now. Right. I look at it now and I think even if you start out marriage like that and you you decide together to open it and it is both people consenting whatever you consent to your relationship yeah. should be fine but it can be so messy it can be so messy absolutely but, but like people make it work and they're happy josh and i today are not the josh and i from even two years ago right. two years ago josh was very in the church and i was like totally falling away yeah so i think that throughout life and throughout life experiences and how messy they mm -hmm. get and the truth that you discover along the way people change and marriages change mm -hmm. and that that's not can like i don't condemn change i just think that whatever you decide even if you're changing along the way together needs to align mm -hmm. you know like you realign in marriage For i don't know sure. so and i think <sighs> you see like at this part in the movie with uh, her relationship with diego it's a very complicated relationship, and I think it demonstrates how both of them are kind of like imperfect people in the way that, like as companions, as people like in a relationship, it humanizes Frida Kahlo because I think that's something a lot of us relate to. We're not perfect in our relationships. We're not perfect in the way that we communicate with other people. Sometimes we make really big mistakes, and we end up getting hurt by those mistakes. Yeah. So again, I think she's just like such a great model of dealing with life in a way that's very real and she's honest about it and yeah sometimes like things work out and sometimes they don't but well and even sometimes i think we jump in thinking okay i know how this is gonna go and i can handle this and then you realize later on the road yeah oh shit like this hurts right or like maybe at the time like you think your judgment about something is right and then later down the road you kind of look back and think maybe i wasn't as right about that as i thought i was yeah. And that's okay. That's just part of life. That's how we grow. That is that's part how of we life. learn. 100%. I totally agree with you. This is kind of the part where they take like a snapshot of the wedding. They end up getting married. And there's like a painting. It shows them like a painting at their wedding. And then like in the blink of an eye, it changes from a oh, painting yeah. into Her like famous, the real like, life. So she's wearing a green dress and like a red shawl, right? Or do I have that backwards? Uh, I don't remember what it was at the wedding. I swear it was a green dress. Um, But yeah, it's this super unique 
transition. They like show the painting and then somehow the painting suddenly comes to life. And there's an active shot in the movie. Very, very cool. So if you haven't seen this movie, definitely watch it for at least those amazing transitions they do. Yeah, and like the rich, there's art in every sense. Oh, you're right. It was the green dress. Oh, look, it is a painting. I know. It's so cool. It was a painting, so they based it off of the painting of them at their wedding. And she's wearing the green dress. She she initially gets dressed up in like this very traditional white dress. And then it shows her walk out and he smiles at her. Yeah. Because he knows. Like, that's just Frida. Like, right. that's just who she is. Right. And that, it's so beautiful to see that, you know? It is really cool. So, yeah, she just, she has the big red shawl. And then we had kind of a couple comments during the movie where we were like, how amazing that they have like this amazing cultural wedding. There's so much culture in it and the beauty of the wedding and their traditions. Uh-huh. And that's something that I think we can both agree that we kind of felt gypped on. At least I I felt gypped in yeah. my wedding yeah. now. Well, like I've seen so many different portrayals of like cultures throughout the world. You know, Indians, like they have their very unique weddings. And then, you know, like Eastern weddings, they're very, very unique. African weddings and all these Indian, things. Like, yeah. Indian weddings. Right, I know. Like from India they're where they like... amazing. The, yes, the, the tattoos hands. and all that. Oh, God, it's so pretty. I know. And then you and I just kind of think of like the way we do weddings here. <laughs> and it's like, it feels so bland. And ben- I don't like... Not, not even American weddings, but like fucking Mormon weddings. Oh, Mormon weddings. Oh, my especially. God. Like... Like, my husband yeah, was like, church okay. gyms. I agree with that. Oh, church gyms. Like, mm-hmm. this is... The way that, like, Mormons get married compared to, like, almost any other culture is, yes. like, so boring. Yes, yes. We and don't like, even get to say vows. I know. It's very ritualistic, and I know some people find, like, a lot of value and meaning and beauty and all that, which is fine. But yes, I do think there's a reputation for those, like, cultural hall weddings that's, like... <sighs> so cringy. Yeah. Um, that's where I had mine. It was free. Mm-hmm. It is free. That's why people do it. That's why people do it. I've been on like wedding TikTok lately though, and I see some of these venues where people will just spend like six hundred thousand dollars or whatever, and they're amazing. Oh, it's so pretty. And then there's like that really cheap ass part of me <laughs> on the inside that's like six hundred thousand dollars would buy me a house. <laughs> For real. But I'm guessing that if they spend a thousand dollars on a wedding, it's not too difficult to also buy like a million dollar home. I mean, that's true. If you're like, this is your stipend for your wedding, mm-hmm, honey. Here's sure. 600 grand for, for the venue sure. alone. So that's interesting. We then see Rivera's Diego. Diego. Diego Rivera's. He has his his ex-wife who oh, is referred ex-wife. to as, as Lupe. And she's the one that you find out is living right above them. And had come down and made them breakfast. Oh, right. And Free gets pissed. Yeah. And she goes up and she shouts at Lupe, I'm here for the long haul. Like, like I'm not going anywhere. So, like, you better get used to me. Mm-hmm. And she's like, you better get used to me if you're here for the long haul. And <laughs> she talks about, like, he really likes my mole or something. Like, I don't know if there's... Oh, funny. Diego had, like, painted her mole. Or maybe I heard that wrong because I was drunk at the time. I don't know. We'll find out later. I don't remember it. But yeah, there's just, she has like some really interesting like dream sequences and you get the snapshot later of right after their kind of confrontation that Frida and Lupe are both in the kitchen and Lupe is cooking Mm -hmm. and they're like chatting and it made me think of sister wives. I know. They like seem like they're such good friends and they get along so well. And we were kind of thinking like, (laughs) 
I'm totally against the idea of it, but... Coming from Mormonism, <laughs> hashtag polygamy. Maybe it would be awesome if like you and I could just like get together and do all the laundry and just get some of our stuff done together. Yeah. Have fun. Oh, and to have somebody to like chat to and like be friends. For sure. Get rid of all the harmful aspects of it. Just like, yeah, if we like had this commune, we're like... We're hanging out with like all the other sister wives that like we choose to be a part of our lives. That wouldn't be so bad. That's kind of like it? why I love Marco Polo so much. I know. I don't feel alone during I the know. day. I swear I talk to so many people on Marco Polo. It's like, why aren't we neighbors? If we could just <sighs> hang out and have dinner and... I wish, man. Yeah, I would love that. I wish 100%. That was just kind of a funny like snapshot that I was like, that totally relates to Mormonism kind of, you know? Yeah. Like even though the divorce, they're kind of... He's like, hey, you still have my kids, and mm-hmm. you can live above me, and I'll take care of you, mm-hmm. and you can come make me dinner. Right. But it's another aspect of the movie that I liked, where it kind of gives you like these very complicated portrayals of Mexican women and what life was like for them, yeah. because they're obviously such a huge part of the culture there, and just how life exists for everybody. They're such hard workers. They are. They play... They... Friggin' Mexican women are badass. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I mean, every woman is badass. But it's nice to see them, like, portrayed and, like, given them the recognition they deserve in film. I agree. And it's such a relief to see women portrayed. Mm -hmm. Like, I think there's a lot of movies. I hope that as a society we're kind of branching away from just, like, wives being naggy and men being lazy. Mm -hmm. Because that's not how men and women are. Mm -hmm. But, like, the rich culture and seeing strong roles... That's important. So I have a question now. Does this movie pass the Bechdel test? What is the Bechdel test? I don't, I'm not familiar with that. So the Bechdel test, I think it came from like a feminist. I don't know if she was like an author or a cartoonist or something, but it's basically just a tool they use to measure the representation of women in fiction. So the, the requirement is there have to be two female characters. Usually they have to be named and they have to have at least one moment where they talk to each other about something other than a man. So two named female characters that talk to each other about something other than a man. Does that happen in this movie? I think they do. I think they do throughout the movie. I think that especially when they're sitting, because initially they confront each other about Diego and both of their relationships to Diego, Mm -hmm. and which means that they are now having a relationship because they're involved with Mm -hmm. the same man or have a connection to him. But then I'm pretty sure in the next scene when they're making dinner or making breakfast or Lupe's making breakfast and right. Frida's sitting there, they're just joking, kind of like friends. Or aren't there scenes when Frida and Ashley Judd's character, like they spend some time talking to each other? I want to say yes. Yeah, I, it's hard to like look back and like remember every moment of the movie. But as a fun like side note, I think like 50% of all movies fail that test. Is it really that high? Yeah. So it's just like a good like way to demonstrate like the gender inequality. I'm so glad you brought that up because I didn't even know that that was a thing. I'd never heard of it before. Yeah, it's crazy. Like if you think like back to all your favorite movies, I bet so many of them don't pass that test. I like thinking about Disney movies. Oh, I don't. Yeah. I don't know if even Disney movies would pass that test in some cases. I feel like some of the older more, ones. Yeah, the older ones. I think in more recent years they're definitely way better. But oh, in more recent years, yes. But I'm talking about like the ones that I grew up with, like uh-huh. the classics, like Peter Pan. Like Wendy's probably only talking about Peter all the time. Well, because Tinkerbell's like fuck you the whole time. She doesn't talk to. But that's true. Like Wendy and Tinkerbell are so obsessed about. Who thought that like Frida Kahlo would take us to talking about Tinkerbell? Oh my god, <laughs> that's true. 
That's just fascinating. I'm going to think about that more. Yeah, that's really interesting. That's really amazing. Well, that's why I'm here, Marissa. The patriarchal. Oh. Yeah. Patriarchal. Which leads us. My next note. Sexism and patriarchy in America. <laughs> How did we get on that from the movie? Because they end up going to America because Diego's job, he gets oh, right. he gets called to come do artwork in America. Right. And she's yeah. unhappy there because it's very different. Mm-hmm. And Yeah, there's kind of like this brief little montage where it's showing, I think, is it Diego kind of being like a womanizer with all these other women? But it also just kind of the gives The revolving this, door of the hotel yes, where he comes out and it's time. different women every mm-hmm. time. And so, she's yeah. mad. She's jealous. Right. But it also gives a snapshot into like American culture where, you know, women's only value is like in how pretty they're able to make themselves for men or like what good homemakers they are. Or how or desirable like they are. Yeah. And so being in this environment, Frida like so quickly becomes so dissatisfied and upset. And repulsed. Because this is not the life that she wanted. Uh-uh. And it was just like a really cool contrast to see this free spirited woman who's so strong and confident and rebellious in a lot of ways be put in like a society that you and i are very familiar with and immediately it just like stifles her and she just can't do it makes you mad it makes me mad yeah it makes me mad that we've had to deal with all this bullshit (laughs) but also that like for a lot of the people that are like born and raised in this kind of culture we don't see it as being so stifling and so it's just we're used to it restricting yeah it's like that That overused analogy of if you throw a frog into boiling water, it'll jump out. But right. if you and put it in they're... lukewarm water and then you slowly turn up the heat to boiling, then it, it just stays. Up. It boils it. It boils to death. Yeah, that's grim. But it's so true. It's true, though. I mean, I think I think people who have been raised in, you know, the, the sexism and the patriarchy in America that we have, which I think in a lot of ways has gotten a lot better, mm-hmm. but it's still it still manifests in the same way that racism still manifests in, in a lot of different ways. And, yeah. and we could have a whole conversation about that, like how it harms everybody. Everybody. Everybody involved gets harmed. Yeah. But it's like especially tragic when you see like women being victimized by it, not because like it hurts them, but like you see women like defending patriarchy because like they've been conditioned to. They don't know any better. Yeah. I hate that. I hate that too. I feel like that's. But we see it a lot. That's something that I've seen mm-hmm. a lot in Mormonism. Mm-hmm. It makes me sad. At this point, kind of a, the the revolving doors of the hotel where she sees him and somebody's like, Why do you put up with it? Look, Diego is how he is. And that's how I love him. I cannot love him for what he's not. Anyway, my sweet Gracie, I get along just fine. How do you do it? She sits down with somebody and you find out that Frida has had sex with this woman and her husband has also had sex with this woman. Yeah. And the woman makes some comment like, yeah, Diego told me that you would be better and he was right. And (laughs) she, she goes, well, how do you do it? Like, how do you do it with a man who goes out and is with other women? And Frida Kahlo said, I cannot love him for what he's not. And that stood out to me. You like had a moment there. So talk about like what you were thinking. I did have a moment there. I think that through... So wait, the quote is, I can't love what he's not. I cannot love him for what he's not. Yeah, I do love that. What do you think she meant? I think that this woman kind of comes out that 
like how can you love your husband when he's with other women and she's like well that's just who he is i can't love a version of my husband that isn't here i need to love the person that he is today and i think that there's a lot of beauty in the fact that she knows how her husband is she knows what he does and even though it's caused her pain that's also who he is and she loves him and there have been aspects especially in my marriage where I've realized especially through the transition of like leaving and things that we've kind of discovered about ourselves along the way that if I only continue loving the Josh that I married that snippet of time Mm -hmm. if you can cut out that little part of him Mm -hmm. that he was in 2012 he's not anywhere near what he was Mm -hmm. he's a completely we've been 10 different versions of ourselves since then and i have to love the him that he is today or we don't have anything Mm -hmm. and so that's powerful i think that a lot of movies and relationships that are portrayed in the media today are that people feel like we have to change what our spouses or our loved ones are in order to be what we want them to be yeah and that's not fair to them like i don't want my husband to change me and i don't want to change my husband i i just want to have him as he is yeah and even though sometimes that's difficult or it causes some pain when you realign there's way more beauty does that make sense it does i think like it's complicated right because Especially in their relationship, this is such a touchy subject because it's something that like comes back and hurts her later in the movie and kind of throughout their relationship. But I think it's talking about like accepting your partner at face value. I think so many, I feel like maybe women fall into this trap more of thinking like, well, I don't like this and this and this, but if we're together long enough, I know that I can change him or I know that I can like make him better at something and more often than not I feel like that ends up not being the case and so this woman is kind of like begging that question like doesn't it bother you that he does this she's almost asking like don't you wish like he could change and she has this like such a mature perspective of saying like I can't love him for being something he isn't like I can't place my expectation that he's going to change or he's going to be different I love him as he is which is like the most beautiful concept of anything and it doesn't resolve everything it doesn't like eliminate the problems of their relationship it's just she chooses to love him as he is yeah and like i think that there's like a larger conversation about relationships as a whole there is that like who her husband is and what he does her happiness isn't dependent on what he does or what his behavior looks like her happiness depends on like her acceptance of this person as is her happiness is her own responsibility it's not determined by how somebody else behaves or lives their life. I agree with that. You said that so much more eloquently no, than I, I did. <laughs> yes, you totally did. We're just having like a fun little... There was there was a time when I was actually transitioning out of Mormonism that I was faced with the realization that there were things that my husband didn't feel like he could talk to me about. And... I also was part of that problem because I wouldn't have been receptive to what he was saying. And I think that there's a larger conversation on communication and the fact that me personally, I feel like women in America or maybe, maybe this is a product of Mormonism again. I feel like there's, I'm, I'm seeing like a lot of things, but 
where women don't have a voice and they don't have a place to speak out and like I remember feeling like my value as a woman in the church was that I caught my husband and I was somehow like damn lucky to get Mm -hmm. him and that he was my way to heaven and my way to get to heaven was to just like make sure that I was always good enough to to only have his attention that's so horrible so I think there's a part of me I think part of it stuck out to me so much because Mormon Marissa looks back on that and thought that woman who's asking her this question maybe would have been terrified if it was her relationship that was like that mm-hmm. and that's how I felt the majority of my marriage until I realized that my husband is his own person and I am my own person mm-hmm. like my husband does not control me I do not control Josh right. we are separate people right. and when we come together and we we share as a marriage that makes our marriage strong. Mm-hmm. It's not because we're trying to control one another. And so I think that's why specifically this part of the movie, like that one line mm-hmm. really stuck with me. Mm-hmm. I just thought that was really beautiful. But I think it's also powerful because at the end of the movie, you kind of see like the manifestation of like what she's saying here. Like, I can't love him for what he's not. And even though he like does some really bad things, and it ends up hurting her. In the end, she like abides by that philosophy that she has. And he does with her too. Yeah. He doesn't choose to love her because she's this perfect person who doesn't have any health right. issues. He loves her for who she is. And yeah. it, that's with the health issues that she has. Yeah. You know, I mean, it, we find out later at the end of the movie that she like loses one of her legs. And yeah. he still chooses to come back and be with her. Yeah. So anyhow. That was a really good. That was a really good thought. Thank you. Yeah, for... we could spend a whole podcast on that subject. I think. <laughs> Let's do it. <laughs> so, um, at this point, they decide to try for a baby, and mm. it ends up heartbreaking. Yeah. She miscarries a, a little boy, oh, and there's a shit ton of blood, and and it doesn't really like explain how far along she is, but you get the idea. That it's far enough along that, like... He came out in chunks, is what she says. Oh, my God. It's horrifying. It's horrifying. Yeah. I can't imagine. I've I've personally, like, experienced a miscarriage. It was very early on. Yeah. But the trauma associated with a miscarriage and seeing that on film... Yeah. And her anguish, she... They're like, you know, Diego wants to see her and... The doctor's saying, no, she needs rest, she needs rest. And then Frida comes out and she's like stricken with grief. Like she just. You should be in bed, Mrs. Rivera. I can go out in pieces. Come with me, let's go back to bed. I never fought, bro. We can try again, but you must rest. Mrs. Rivera. He's my son. Mrs. Rivera. I want to see him! What did you do with him? I want to see my son! What did you do with him? She's like gray in the face and she she's like, I, I saw him come out in pieces and I want to see my son. I need to see my son. Yeah, and she's screaming that over and over. Hysterical. Completely hysterical. And they end up at one point bringing him back in and he's in a jar and she paints him. And from an artistic point of view, I realized that maybe that part was healing for her 
And from a woman's perspective, for me, I'm like, oh my God, I cannot believe that she had the fucking strength to do that. Yeah, and that strength enabled her to process that really devastating experience. But you see that through her art, throughout the whole movie. You know, she paints, she paints her pain. She paints the way that she sees the world, and she has this beautiful ability of portraying her feelings. Yeah. Oh my god. So I'm pulling up the painting right now, we're just taking a look at it. Yeah. And... There's blood everywhere! Like, oh. You can look this up. It's very, I don't know. What's the name of it? Does it say? I just typed in Frida Kahlo miscarriage painting. And yeah, you can look it up. It's very devastating. Um, But again, I just think it's so powerful that she was able to use art in a way that allowed her to process that feelings or process those feelings. I feel like miscarriage is something that is so private for so many women. And that's fine. They can women can process that however they want, but it's almost like another act of rebellion to so publicly, I don't know, experience that and let other people see what that did to her. Yeah. Well, and you you look at the picture and it's at the Henry Ford Hospital, which is probably I'm guessing the hospital where she went. Mm-hmm. And so she has like a portrayal of her son and all of these cords that go to these different these different parts, and one of them is her like a picture of the pelvis and their really fucking scary looking contraption in the bottom left corner i don't know what that's supposed to be it looks like it's maybe just some like medical instrument that yeah and then like like is it a snail in the top right corner but then it it obviously her baby boy mm-hmm. and you can see that it is it is a boy she she painted his anatomy on there and mm-hmm. it's just like looking at her laying in that bed with the blood everywhere and like the big tear on her face is just I don't I don't know anybody who can look at that photo and say this is a picture of her anguish you know right so sad for anybody who hasn't seen that painting please look it up or don't like it's really it's a lot it is a lot but I also feel like it's important it's important to to see see. it's Mm -hmm. important to see and even for those who can't or or haven't experienced it, I feel like there is a there's a really deep level of empathy that can go into just viewing what she felt like ne- the world needed to see. Right. So it says she's on the bed and she's connected to six different objects. Um, there are six objects flying around her. A male fetus, which is the son of her and Diego, she has longed to have. The fetus is based on a medical illustration. An orchid, which looks like a uterus. The stomach she holds against the red ribbons, and they look like umbilical cords. And then the snail in the symbol, which sort of represented like the slowness of that operation. And how agonizing that must have been for her. That breaks my heart. That's absolutely heartbreaking. There are some people who'd be like, well, she wasn't as in-depth as some painters are. But the level of realness and Mm -hmm. pain... Yeah. And emotion that she can bring to her to her paintings are incredible. Yeah, 100%. <sighs> it breaks my heart. And obviously she was far enough along to realize that it was a boy, so she had to have been more close to halfway than not. Right. So, oh, I don't know how to move on from that. <laughs> yeah, there's, 
no good segue. There's no good. Away. There's no good transition away from like something so painful and agonizing. We're gonna go into something else painful and agonizing. She walks in eventually to Diego having sex with her sister. Her sister. Her sister of all people. And this was the point where I think both of us were like, fuck you, Diego. And her sister. <laughs> and her sister. Sisters should know better. If I walked into one of my sisters having sex with my husband, I'd fucking kill them both. Are you serious? Of course. My God, I'd, I'd kill them both. Don't, don't put me in jail because I just threatened people that... It hasn't happened. You threatened them on a very hypothetical scenario. Very hypothetical scenario. But something that she says was, she was my sister, not some model. So I think to that, she was like, this was different. This is very personal. This is very, a very emotional type. I mean, I don't know. I have thoughts about that. But yeah, it's just, it's such a huge betrayal to have someone cheat on you. But to have it be with somebody... That is so has been like such a close part of your life, just takes that betrayal to a completely new level and makes it a million times more awful. Oh, it's horrible. I don't I don't I don't think I could be like her and come back from that. No, I don't think so either, because someone cheats on you, you have your husband to deal with. If your husband wants to stay around or like if you guys decide to work on that, the the woman goes away. But with your sister, it doesn't go away. There might even be like, maybe the lady didn't know, like maybe my husband lied about it and said, oh, I'm not married or whatever. But like, your sister knows. Yeah, there's no way talking your way out of that. No. (laughs) I have this lovely insert on my uh, paper here from... (laughs) From Stephanie, <laughs> we made some snotty comments about how Frida didn't heal because she didn't get a priesthood blessing because that's really connected to Mormonism and the in-depth. Probably something you would be told in Mormonism. It would be, honestly. Because... How many times are people are like, but did you get a priesthood blessing? Mm-hmm. Yeah, it like goes hand in hand with like medical professionals like and, well yeah the patriarchy. doctors did this but did you get did you get a, a priesthood blessing or we can't have surgery until we get a blessing because yeah. the blessing's going to depict whether or not the surgery goes well so i made a joke about that yeah to me the joke wasn't even about like free to call it was more that was more like a like a yeah, slide at mormonism totally, which totally well, it's more like tongue-in-cheek because yeah we love frida oh i am so such a frida fan for sure she's amazing incredible so eventually there's like this russian guy that comes in i don't i by then i was he was a communist from russia Uh wasn't he yeah that's Um, about all that i knew so he was coming to mexico to participate somehow participate or influence the revolution going on in mexico and he became a romantic partner for frida Kahlo. Uh uh-huh she has a total affair with him and her husband has no idea and eventually he finds out yeah and it's kind of like this i don't know what the right phrase would be but yeah she basically just says like yeah it doesn't feel very good to have your heart broken does it he says you broke my heart frida and she goes it hurts doesn't it yeah have you lost your mind go to hell diego you know what the consequences of this could be he's not scared why should you be oh dear god frida of all people why because we wanted to You've broken my heart, Frida. It hurts, doesn't it? But why? 
It was just a fuck, like a handshake. You promised to be loyal. You've been my comrade, my fellow artist, my best friend. But you've never been my husband. Such a good clapback. I know. <laughs> She's like, dude, you've had sex with like countless women. No kidding. And I've never, I've no never told kidding. you not to. Except, like, I mean, except for the sister. The sister was like, where do men get the audacity? You broke my heart. <laughs> get out of here. I've fucked countless women, but you fuck one man and it's over. I don't know why I'm suddenly British. Damn it. I, was, I wasn't going to do any accents. God damn it. Did you like think about that before the podcast? Yes. Don't speak in any accents. Yes, because the last like three episodes, the boys have done all these like really in-depth accents that are like borderline offensive. Oh no. <laughs> and I, I was like, that. we're, we're going to do a podcast episode that doesn't have any offensive accents in it. You could do that. It's I a mean, celebration of other accents. It is. One. But I get how it could come off maybe offensive and British or we all want to be British. Americans are boring. Let's be honest. It just sounds classier. It is so classy. So depending on where in England you're from. Truth. There are some that Yeah. <laughs> so at one point they kind of divorce or talk about divorce. I don't know if they actually do. It's not really clear in the movie on whether or not they get divorced, right? Well, he asks for it. Right. And at this point she's like, "Are you for real? Like this is what's pushing you for divorce?" And she's like, "What's her name?" And he's like, "No, no, no. I just like I just want to like be at peace." Mm -hmm. So I don't know if they actually get divorced. I would have to look that information up, but we see the iconic broken column painting come to yeah. life through the movie, mm -hmm. which is one of her like, re like really intensely powerful paintings about her personal anguish with her accident, the trolley yes. accident. And she finds out she has gangrene in her toes yeah. from the doctor. She's like, you're kidding. And he's like, no, these have to come off. Yeah. And you go back and like, you just like count up all the things that she's been through, and she has to leave her. She has to lose her fucking toes too. Yeah, it's like as if like the trolley accident wasn't bad enough, where she was impaled through her body, and like broke her back, or had this devastating miscarriage with her son. I mean, the, now, the trolley accident basically made her infertile. Yeah, yeah, and now, um, she has to have her feet, and then later her leg. You find out later. I think it's up to her knee because of the gangrene. Oh, so we see a couple snippets with her monkey that she has in several of her paintings. Actually, you'll see the monkey in it. I don't remember the name. It I doesn't say it in the movie. She doesn't really talk about the monkey. It's just at the end, it's kind of there. Yeah. Um, I did have a note that a bunch of the bunch of the music with the subtitles that we had on throughout the whole movie, it references sad one. Oh, that's true. So I'm wondering if that's yeah. kind of a parallel to Frida. I mean, she oh, was in sure. constant pain. Sure. She had so much happen in her life. Um, and then at the very end, she gets to go to her own art exhibit. The doctor yes. tries to tell her she can't get out of her bed. Right. And they make, or she makes um, her sister and like whatever other staff is there carry her in her bed. To the art exhibit. It's kind of full circle back to the very beginning of the movie where they're carrying her through the bed, through the house. Exactly. She ends up at the exhibit and everybody claps and her doctor gives her permission to have some more tequila. I, I, I don't believe 
that ever before has a woman put such agonized poetry on canvas. Shut up, Batson. Who died? See, Dr. Zito, I followed your orders. I didn't leave my bed. If you let me have this tequila, I promise not to drink at my funeral. It's a deal. To freedom! To freedom! Yes. A little bit more tequila. And she's earned it. She has. She's a freaking badass. So, at the very end, there's another painting symbolizing her death. I'm guessing, are you, is that what you're looking up? I was looking up the quote that she says, like, at the very end of the movie. But, yeah, it has one final oh, painting. Oh, I wrote it down. Oh, you did? Uh-huh. Yeah, it's so The good. final painting of her, of her death, I'm guessing... It's just her lying in her bed, um, on fire. Oh, but there's a, there is a skeleton above her. Yeah. So, I don't know if that's depicting of her coming out of her body. What? I don't know. I, sorry, I was looking at like the things on her bed. Are those like leaves? Or? I can't tell if that's like new life or her roots finally dying. But it looks like she has flowers ab- like above her. And I don't know if that's dynamite to her legs. I, I'm not sure. But in, in the movie, she ends up this painting slash dreamish sequence. Yeah. Lights on fire. Yes. And then it's evident that she finally passes away. Yeah. And that's at the point where they've been together 25 years. Yeah. Yeah. With Diego. And then what's the quote? The quote is, I hope the exit is joyful and never to return. What are your thoughts on that quote? Because I love that. And I think it's such like a great way to kind of like summarize how she felt about her life. I think she just wanted to have lived her life the best that she could. Like yeah. she was obvious she had obviously had a lot of disadvantages, a lot of heartbreak mm-hmm. and I mean, she was in pain physically her entire life after the accident and so I think she just wanted to end it on a good note mm-hmm. and that was at her like 25 year mark with the man that she loved regardless of their relationship issues and she didn't she didn't want to come back. She didn't want to have more surgeries. She yeah. didn't she just wanted to go and be peaceful. That's what right. I took it as. And I do think it's like a beautiful celebration of kind of her attitude throughout life. Like even here, like at the end of her life at death, she's looking forward, just saying like, I don't really know what comes, but like, I hope the exit is joyful. And then she's also kind of like looking back in that same moment. Like, I do not want to come back and do this again. <laughs> this was awful. Frida Kahlo did still... not believe in reincarnation. <laughs> But yeah, like, I think that's, again, just a very honest and kind of poetic way to capture, like, her life. I'm looking forward to, like, the beauty that's in front of me, and this is all behind me. Like, her life was very hard, it was very difficult, but she's still looking forward to joyful and beautiful opportunities in the future. I 100% agree. So, okay, all that we have left is rating, like, overall thoughts of the movie, anything you have comments on to wrap up, and then... Your rating of the movie and out of five golden idols. Five golden idols. <laughs> Let's see, why don't you go first? Well, I uh, I love this movie, actually. Yeah, I do. I, I agree with you. I really thought this movie was powerful. I think it's really, not only is it about a real life person and her life and 
a massive, a really, like, there's a lot of really inspiring things about her life and the things that happened and how she handled them with grace and grit, which I think is powerful for women to see. But I think that historically we need to hear more from women. We need to hear their voices and what it was like for them and not only have the pretty perfect parts, but also see all the hardship and I just have mad respect for Frida Kahlo and Mm -hmm. I think she was an incredible woman. My heart breaks for the things that she went through and I can look back on her art and see it for what it is, which is not only beauty, but for the amazing way that she could portray such emotions Mm -hmm. when I can't even draw a stick figure. (laughs) Not to make it about me, but like... She really did have, like, this amazing ability to portray emotions. And, yeah, I I loved it. I thought it was amazing. I'm not 100% positive how, like, for sure on par it is. As far as, like, historical Beat for beat historically. Yeah. But from what I knew of Frida Kahlo's story beforehand, it seems pretty accurate. Mm -hmm. I mean, overall. Yeah. So, um... Golden Idol rating. I mean, I I would have to give it like a like a f- four point five. Ooh. It's pretty high out of five. I I I really thought it was powerful. I loved it. Yeah. I really loved it. I loved learning more about her story and having it really come to life. I thought the cinematography and the passionate music through all of it, like. Right. You know, the music and the artwork that they had really put into this movie was brilliant. Mm. And so I, I'm rating this pretty damn high. Good. I'm glad you are. Yes. What about you? I want to hear all your thoughts. So I, I enjoy art. I really love art. But I also recognize that I have like limitations in understanding different forms of art. Um, and painting is one of those mediums where like I look at a painting and I can like appreciate some things on like a first viewing and then like I think about it more and I come back and I appreciate a few more things and then like that continues to happen over time and I feel like as we've spent like the last hour or so talking about this movie I think like the more layers I peel back on it I feel like there's so much to this movie because there's so much to this woman and I think any work of art that sort of celebrates the complexities of womanhood, what that experience is like, especially when it's a figure that's inspiring as Frida Kahlo is, I think it's just, I don't know, I I loved it on so many levels. And I think I'll continue to love it more as I learn uh, more about her. So for me, this movie and this has probably been used by like other film critics or it sounds like cheesy, but I feel like the movie itself is kind of like a painting where like you look at it the first time and you appreciate some aspects and then you come back and you continue to like visit that painting. And as you do that more and more, you kind of fall in love with it more. So that's how I feel about it. I think Frida Kahlo is incredible and I think they really did justice to her in this movie. So I'm going to give it five out of five. <gasps> yes. And I just feel like... You need like a slow clap for your for your little review. I just thought that was perfect. I don't think it's, so, but thank you. You're so eloquent with your words and I enjoyed it. And if anyone's listening who hasn't seen it, I definitely would recommend it because yeah, it was a really wonderful experience. Yeah. I think that's that might be the first five Golden Idol review. 
Really? Did I judge it too easily? No. I mean, I would say like... No, I think it was amazing. The only caveat I would give is like if I subsequently found out that there are like some massive historical inaccuracies in the movie, um, you know, so it's not like a really honest portrayal of her life, then I might dock at some points. But as far as I know right now about the movie... I think it does deserve pretty, five. Pretty damn. You know what? If we find out that it's not like his super historically accurate, we'll bump you down to 4.5. Okay. That's okay? fair. So. But I also think like it's kind of rare in film um, to find like a movie that's directed by a woman about a woman and it gives like a very honest, real depiction of who that woman is. Yeah. I think that's something you don't see enough in art today. And when you do, it's not like a high profile thing that's celebrated. Yeah. So when they do come along... I think they warrant that kind of recognition, and it deserves five stars. I just like the feminist in me was like, of course it was, of course it was uh, directed by a woman. Yeah. And it was needed. For sure. It was absolutely needed. Like, her life was so complex and rich and Mm -hmm. beautiful. Like, even even the still of her body in the accident, like, yep. I, I almost felt like diminishing the movie by being like, it's so sad. Mm-hmm. Like, you can obviously tell that she is extremely hurt, but it's so beautiful. Like, in this, like, really hauntingly yeah, horrible way. But isn't that kind of true about all her paintings? It's, like, haunting and horrible, but, like, in such a beautiful and moving way. Yeah, agreed. Well, thank you so much for coming on. Yeah, doing thank you for me. enduring my <laughs> insights and perspectives. Enduring to the end, always. You are the best. I, I love you. you, my friend. I love you. This is fun. We will for sure have to do this again. But yeah, I'd love to. Thank you guys for joining us. This has been the Unrestricted Movie Podcast takeover episode with Marissa and Steph, and we are out. We'll Bye see you guys. next week. your food and your slut.